So I think let me get started. So Journal Club is about Paxivas, and we'll go through some of the background. Um, if you don't know, I'm Melissa Swee, uh, transplant nephrology here. No disclosures. Uh, via educational objectives, to list the risks and benefits of plasma exchange, discuss the challenges of studying ANCA-associated vasculitis, critique the methodology of the PEXAVAS study, and apply results of the PEXAVAS study to clinical scenarios. So here's our roadmap. Uh, basically, we're going to review ANCA, review plasma exchange, uh, introduction to three cases of ANCA-associated vasculitis, discuss PEXAVAS and the application of PEXAVAS, and then design your own vasculitis patient, and then we'll have time for questions at the end. So uh, I think pretty much everyone in this room knows ANCA-associated vasculitis is a heterogeneous set of small vessel vasculitides, and I'm sure everyone has seen this picture at some point in the past. So ANCA-associated small vessel vasculitis involves the small vessels. Uh, the clinical presentation does not always match the serologies. You can see the different types of ANCA-associated vasculitis, microscopic cholangitis with the P-ANCA, granulomatosis with polyangitis, uh, the C-ANCA pattern, and then eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis. So plasma exchange in ANCA-associated vasculitis. Uh, in 1977, Lockwood reported treating crescentic glomerular nephritis in three patients with plex as an adjunct. Uh, these patients were anti-GBM negative. Um, ANCA, of course, was not discovered yet at that point. Uh, five had rapid recovery of renal function, and ever since then, people have talked about whether or not to treat with plasma exchange. Uh, plasma exchange depends on the assumption that ANCAs are pathogenic in ANCA-associated vasculitis, and there are uh, increasing lines of evidence that they are. Uh, plasma exchange is used in a variety of autoimmune hematologic disorders in which blood proteins like immunoglobulins need to be rapidly removed. However, there are risks associated. So it has complications. Um, anyone know any of the associated complications with plasma exchange? Yes, you're removing gamma, uh, the immunoglobulin. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, just having the Lyme infection. Infection from a couple different reasons, because you may have the Lyme, and then also because you're removing immunoglobulin. So also increased risk of venous thrombolism. To reduce the likelihood of clotting, we use sodium citrate, which then may lead to Hypocalcemia. Um, you can get hypotension uh, and also transfusion-related reactions, probably taco. All right. So uh, two meta-analyses have supported its use. There have been eight randomized controlled trials evaluating PLEX. Uh, with the meta-analysis, they say that PLEX has a reduced risk of ESRD at three months, at 12 months, and then composite ESRD in death. Uh, there is not a reduction in death itself just when you combine it with ESRD. Uh, mortality remained unchanged, and there is no uh, difference between groups and renal function or adverse events. So Kadoki uh, recommends using plasmapheresis for patients requiring dialysis or with rapidly increasing serum creatinine. They suggest the addition of plasmapheresis for patients with diffuse pulmonary hemorrhage and suggest the addition of plasmapheresis for patients with overlap syndrome, those with ANCA and anti-GDM. So Pexavas, uh, they had two hypotheses. 
One, plasma exchange increases the time to develop ESRD or death and severe anchor-associated vasculitis. And two, reduced glucocorticoids will not increase ESRD or death and will reduce adverse reactions. So before we go further and talk about the study itself, here are three patients. Uh, patient number one, 48-year-old male, fever, cough, hematuria, cranies elevated 3.8, has proteinuria, anti-maturia, uh, intubated, chest x-ray shows whiteout, C-anca in PR3 is highly positive. Uh, before we go further, how would you treat this patient? What would you do? Anyone with any thoughts? Mm-hmm. For sure. So as a rheumatologist, I would give steroids. Mm-hmm. Which is starting. There was steroids. Yeah, what what else would we do besides steroids? Um, and so that's a good question. And uh, we're saying that chest x-ray is consistent with it, but it's not a guarantee that it is alveolar hemorrhage. The, the, the pulmonologist looks at it and says, I think it is, but there hasn't been a bronch or a CT scan. Uh, hemoglobin, uh, a little low, maybe 10. And uh, And he was complaining of hemoptysis. No, it's not on there. It's a very brief, brief story. <laughs> it is. It is. Exactly. Would you do a pap smear or no? That's a very good question. And based on, you know, again, I, I, I would hold off on connecting to somebody who already has, if there's any worry about pulmonary hemorrhage because of worse than bleeding and thrombocytic hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. But if it's like an individual cough, is yeah. there some optimism that your opponent can be able to you know, that's the current recommendation that that's it. No, but we've been doing this. A bit more. Yeah. It, it, what the study would do versus what you would do as a participant in the yeah. up in the air. And and we'll see what they say with the study too. Um how about the next one? A 75-year-old female with asthma presents with acute respiratory failure due to diffuse alveolar hemorrhage. Pianca and PO mildly positive, ANA is positive. Uh, mild acute kidney injury, creatinine 1 to 1.3, but without proteinuria or hematuria. What are we thinking it is? I guess more for the rheumatologists in the room than the renal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we, do we have to do anything from the renal side? I guess we kind of defer to rheumatology for, for these patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the creatinine, uh, the slight bump is probably related to something else. Um, and then the next one, a 52-year-old male who presents with hematuria and hemoptysis after infection. Uh, GBM antibodies are positive, PNC is positive, creatinine 1.2 to 2 with hematuria and proteinuria. How would you treat this patient? What would you do? Yeah, plaque. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, exactly. So... Talking about Pexavas, um, they've been talking about this trial for a while, and they just published last week in the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, they did a two-by-two -two factorial design. Uh, it's multi-center randomized control trial. I think 90-something centers were involved. 
uh, four different countries, or 19 countries, four different continents. Um, patients were randomly assigned to either undergo plasma exchange or no plasma exchange. Within those groups, they were then randomly assigned to having higher dose steroids or a more rapid taper of steroids, so lower cumulative dose of steroids. Um, eligibility criteria, 15 years or older, had new or relapsing granulomatosis with polyngitis or microscopic polyngitis, a history of positive MPO or PR3, and then kidney or lung involvement. And it's actually the, the requirements were slightly more um, uh, stringent than that, so estimated GFR of less than 50 per minute or people who already had a GFR of less than 60, they had to have a 25% decrease in their kidney function during the acute episode. Um, or if they had diffuse alveolar hemorrhage, that was defined by people who had imaging like a CAT scan that was consistent with it, or who had hemoccasis, or who had um, anemia where their hemoglobin dropped in the setting of concern for um, alveolar hemorrhage. So either kidney or lung involvement. Yeah. Uh -huh. Can I go back to your previous paper? Yeah. So I think most about the read. You strongly suspect, uh, you know, uh, immunological disease. Um, you after detection discover the steroid and the biopsy, and then guide your treatment after the biopsy. Mm -hmm. Which one are you talking about? So first one. I haven't had a chance to read the second one. But that's the most complicated. <laughs> that's the one where I would put break. And, and are you coming back? I, I will, we'll talk about it afterwards, too. Which one is the, the first one? Because of the fever, that's not something that goes with the fever. Right. No. Okay. We also we can, talk about bio, mm -hmm. biopsy. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll come back to it. We can talk more about it. All right. Um, so I, I won't go into this in depth, but if people wanted to read it, um, it's they, they were given two different doses of steroids, either the higher dose steroids, all of them received the same amount in the beginning. They were given IV steroids for the first three days. Um, and then for the first week, they received the same amount. And then the second week, it drastically decreased with the lower steroid uh, therapy. So if you wanted to read it, I can come back to it. But the gist of it is lower steroids in one group. Um, and then plasma exchange. Uh, patients assigned to undergo plasma exchange received albumin replacement, unless there is a concern that they are a higher risk of bleeding, and then they were allowed to have plasma, but overall they were assigned for, for albumin. Uh, patients who had refractory or early relapsing disease uh, developed after randomization were treated with additional pulse steroids, but without any more plasma exchange. So if they, re they relapsed, then they got steroids. That was it. So baseline characteristics. You can sort of read this. This isn't awful. Oh, yeah. Is that better? Okay. Um, so, if you are able to read it, what are your thoughts about these patients? Is this kind of a normal age to see Anka? Uh, so, I know it's hard. Um, these are the four groups there's a plasma exchange, no plasma exchange, reduced dose steroids and standard dose steroids, they're all about 63 years old. Um, it's a little bit female, uh, less female predominant, no, yeah, female predominant, um, they're, it's about 42, 44 percent. 
and then if you look at everything else, um, it's, it's pretty split down the middle, and this was on purpose. They actually did the randomization based on people coming in who had MPO versus PR3, um, and people who had uh, serum creatinines in the different levels. I'm sorry, my mouse is not working right now. Um, the serum creatinines in the different levels. And so you can see uh, kidney function, these are the creatinines. Uh, this is all in uh, the units that we don't use. Uh, I think, yeah, it's about, it's like two and a half, I believe, if you do the conversion. Um, so uh, about two and a half. Uh, these are the ones with a serum creatinine of greater than 500, which for us is about 5.6. Uh, these are the people who are already doing dialysis. Um, so you can see that 66 out of the 350 were already doing dialysis, and so it's about 60s, low 70s. Um, these are the pulmonary hemorrhage. No hemorrhage uh, is predominant, so it's about 72, 73 percent had no pulmonary hemorrhage. Then there's not severe, which was about 18, 19 percent for all the groups, and severe, which was just about 9 percent. They define severe versus not severe based on oxygen saturation. So if you were an oxygen saturation of less than 85%, you were defined as severe. They talked about the different manifestations of vasculitis as well. Um, and then they divided up the treatment too. So you have IV cyclophosphamide, PO cyclophosphamide, and rituximab. So do you think that these, these patients match our demographics at University of Iowa? Is this what you're seeing for your patients here? Have Anka. So there is obviously a bias towards uh, cyclophosphamide too. Yes. And they do a little bit of the subgroup talking about rituximab versus cyclophosphamide, but it's very minimal. And I can show that afterwards too. I'm not sure of the question, but I'm sure that you guys know maybe more rituximab than the So I'd say our patients are a little younger than that, mm -hmm. based on our data. And I'd say that we usually see people who have much more pulmonary hemorrhage, too. And, and they are more in the severe group, so I don't know who have the non-severe pulmonary hemorrhage patient. <laughs> I really don't mm -hmm. know, because all my patients I see is at the PCO. So it's just saying, yeah, and it's just saying the oxygen saturation is over 85%. Yeah, and I think the, the younger ones um, often have other involvement besides the kidneys, too. I've got a lot of kidneys that are mostly like younger
yeah, and before you go with that further, it, it was, um, we had 174 patients between 2007 and 2016 at this institution who had positive ANCA serologies and were diagnosed with ANCA vasculitis. Yeah, and there's something like 35 to 40% actually were low diseases that didn't survive. Mm -hmm. I yeah. And there are several in the pediatric category too that we're not seeing in the adult world, and not all of them have renal involvement. Um, it's it's individual patients, so yeah. But what? So just to put this in perspective too, we had the 174 at our institution. They had about 700 that they had at, you know, four different continents and however many institutions. So we see a lot of incapasculitis here. Yeah, <laughs> they should have included us. Um, all right. Uh, so Kaplan-Meier curves for the primary outcome. Primary outcome are people who have died or have end-stage renal disease. Um, can anyone tell me what this means? What is it showing? Yeah, no difference in the primary outcomes, either in the plasma exchange or in the reduced glucocorticoid regimen. Um, and here they have it out. I don't think anyone can see. So the plasma exchange versus the no plasma exchange, death from any cause, end-stage renal disease, sustained remission, serious adverse events, serious infections at one year. Um, anything stand out? So serious infections is the only one that doesn't cross. So those with the reduced dose steroids versus the standard dose had a decreased risk of serious infections. Nothing else is significant. What was the Yeah, and I can I can actually show it. It's the first week they all get the same, um, but then it decreases. So they put everything in the same in the appendix. And I actually have I can pull that up too, but they reduce it by approximately fifty percent compared to the. So they all got three IV, three days of IV steroids between one gram to three gram. In those three days, it was um, site dependent on how much they got. And then they got the same amount for the rest of that week, and then it drastically decreased in the second week. But the first week, they got the same amount. And so it's just more rapid paper. Okay. So... We've had the other studies with plasma exchange, and I can show those if, if anyone wants, but this trial included less severe cases of ink associated vasculitis. The BVAS scores on average were nine between all the groups, so it's a very low BVAS score. So less severe cases. Um, they didn't require a kidney biopsy to enter the trial uh, like the MEPEC study did. Um, the clinical and serologic, serologic markers may understate histopathologic damage. And then, of course, sclerotic changes won't respond to any of the treatment you do. If the kidney's already scarred, you're not going to save the kidney. Um, and so the authors are saying that you really don't need to do plasma exchange, that it doesn't end up helping people with anchovasculitis. So I want to make that clear that the majority of the data about plasma exchange, and again, they did a meta-analysis, meta but it was 
primarily the benefit was driven by the MEPEC study, which yeah. was published in 2007. And that was a very interesting study because what they did was one group got plasmid changed and the other group got IV polymer drop. So the fat-based group where the benefit was seen did not get IV polymer drop. And the question is, if the plasmid changed group had gotten IV polymer, you know, would the benefit would have been pretty similar or it would have been no difference at all if not to say this is a very flawed study, mm -hmm. the MEPEC study, how it was designed. So uh, it's just and it's not usual practice, right? When would we a place where we would not help them with IV polymer drop? And then that's why it is not. Yeah. So I, I would say the genetic polymer drop is what happened last year. The one where they, the five year This is not my. Many now. Yeah, so they, yeah, they down further. It's 136, but the difference is the problem given to the plasma exchange group. But in that one, did the steroid change? So maybe a combination of steroid plus plasma exchange could be. Yes, they all got it. Just that you're at a higher risk of infections if you have the higher dose of steroids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, based on what they have. I guess part of the issue is they do they do choose patients that have less severe disease. The MedPEX is choosing people who already have. Yeah. Well, MedPEX, I guess 15 each group, right? It was 100 and. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we 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 yeah. never we we never even put a trial. I mean, what space? The Mapex one, the yeah. previous one. I don't know. Yeah. No, our standard. We've oh, never yeah. used plasma exchange without steroids. Yeah. I would figure mm -hmm. the pulmonologist, rheumatologist, and the pulmonologist. All of us use plasma yeah. steroids. Mm -hmm. We don't even think not to. Yeah. So, so, so the way we do practice is uh, every other day. And steroid works right away. I exactly. Mean, uh, if you do practice, I mean, you're going to go 
week or two weeks without an event? No. The, the, the reason we don't uh, <laughs> we do it every other day is we want to weekend. It's really more convenient for. Uh, I think it's more like on that. Yeah. 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 But, but I mean, for us, job, right? yeah, for us, we would do it more efficient than. Uh, yeah, I have a question about the timely outcome. I'm reading it from the international. The timely outcome is this. Timely outcome is an outcome that a new project researcher after seven years, right? Well, so they changed it. So that was the initial intent from the trial, and then they switched it to just out, um, outcomes at one year. So they, they changed as they went. Well, and that's the issue, is that we don't have enough people in this study. They really did a lot of, it, it's just not as severe. So our study doesn't have enough for severe. Yeah. This is a severe. Oh, I can pull that up. I don't know if our data. What do you Here's the MEPEX um, criteria. So this is just the MEPEX, yeah. I can pull up the supplementary. All right. Um, so here's the subgroup analysis, which is in the supplement for the article. So this is your severity of renal disease, and this is plaques. Plaques or no plaques? Mm -hmm. And 
So if you look at greater than 5.6, there's maybe a trend, but it did not reach significance at all. So it's 0.77, but across one. It just seems like it's not powered enough. Yeah. I know that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't have the power to protect it. And they mentioned that in their, in their discussion, actually, that they didn't release this data in the main part because it's not powered. And they never had any technology to do that. But, I mean, that's where we came so based on this, I should still be using plasma exchange if your brand is a bit more than 5.6 or 5.5. Well, if it's not, if you're but it may not be powered no, enough no, is the question. I don't know if they have enough data to be able to do that because. Well, but the government might, because yeah. their insurance company might say, oh, yes, this is enough. We have all these mm -hmm. studies. We're never going to get anything better because we don't have the numbers or the power to do it. Because the other thing is, when, do you, know, when do you know to stop the drug? If you don't take antibody levels, maybe you need to continue growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we stop at 17. Yeah. Your hazard, your hazard ratio. Well, it's because of the variability.
then uh, there is no solid evidence one way or the other to to design a prospective study. You don't necessarily need to say we are domestic affects everyone, right? So this will be opportunity to look at randomized or, or prospective study. And maybe mm -hmm. in three years, six decades, we we have some uh, good uh, data. Mm -hmm. If there is a strong evidence, one way or the other, we typically say we don't do it, you know, but sometimes there's no evidence. Uh, so would you feel comfortable with some of the changes with uh, 35? Oh, yeah, if there's no evidence, uh, I, I don't think we have to. I was going to finish my question. Yeah. <laughs> would you feel comfortable not doing it if the 35-year-old or 3-year-old came in and said a 5.8 or 5.6 yes. and was on 100%? That's all the people. That's all they had that met the inclusion criteria. So that was everyone. So, go ahead. Oh. Well, I mean, I completely agree with you. Not only that, but equity, that 
They weren't included. Yeah, they were included. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So why I have problem with this case, not mm -hmm. about, is that exactly at this moment, in this article, there is a woman who was a little bit confused, <laughs> who had this story, you know, with that, you, you know, mm -hmm. pulmonary hemorrhage, treated with five portions of heart medicine, did a good job, you know, got steroid, methamethadone, didn't get cyclophosphate, didn't get rituxin, comes here, Wiped out right line, that was quite the lot of pneumonia on the top of it. Oh, one so, line. So, would you go with She had five, five sessions. Oh, five sessions. That's why you need to be seen about. Oh, she was not bad. Actually, she didn't have that thing that I remember. Oh, no, no, different, different in Because of the tumor, cough, you know, I mean, I think you need to. Well, then, as long as you have bronchoscopy. Yeah. But do you think this guy would be eligible? Do you think your lady would be eligible to study? I. Once you have an antibody and that's it, it's almost like nothing. And I could understand how they're not 
Otherwise, I don't really know the rationale of it. Uh, and, and then you've got, there's no good scientific rationale. I need to think it's a question of the, the validity of a conclusion, right? And, and the, you know, again, if somebody has assisted pulmonary hemorrhage and you're using PAP, now you're worried about further bleeding in the lungs, right? So most of them got albumin, right? But unless mm -hmm. there was a higher risk of bleeding, if somebody was exactly. pulmonary hemorrhage, you would say, oh, I can give, you know, uh, what part of it would be PAP. Mm -hmm. And then you're worried about, you know, are you volume overload and now you're overloading the system, you know, how much of it is kidney dysfunction, how much do you think it is or hemorrhage versus volume overload. So when you're looking at so much gray hair, mm -hmm. it just, would you give just pure abdomen to somebody who's just bleeding away in the lungs and take away all the causing factors and you're so it's just, or mm -hmm. you actually replace the sheet off your abdomen off with plasma. Can I just ask, did, did you biopsy this person? Do you know biopsy? This person not. So are you saying yes? You're saying no. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't either. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that.
if there was no response in three to four weeks,
Next question, yep. Oh, yeah. Stereo paper. Yeah. Yes.
another inferiority was was meant. But what you guys prefer to keep up? For the long-term infections, for long-term cancer, for the long-term lymphoma, for the long-term hemorrhagic cystitis. So I think it's yeah, I think it's one class. And the risk is again the data for